Hi, this is Tony Cover Magazine. I'm speaking to Alaf Rajab, the head of operations at KZN Division of New National, as well as Hayden Merchant, the Reen and Insurance Specialist. Thank you very much for chatting to me, guys, Alaf and Hayden. Um, it's uh, great to have you on the podcast. It's a pleasure, Tony. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for the opportunity. Great. We, we're talking about a very interesting uh, conversation. I received notice about the collaboration between JBA Risk and uh, New National, and the 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 space that you're collaborating is about um, especially risk modeling for floods. Um, and with the floods that we've had over the last probably six or seven years, in um, especially the KZN area, it's become quite a hot topic because it, it hasn't quite recovered even yet from the first of the floods. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely a hot topic to look after. So um, maybe just to discuss, uh, to, to start off a little bit on your side, um, Alaf, uh, what role does flood risk play in the short-term insurance environment in South Africa? And, and how has this evolved for you from an insurer perspective over time? That's, that's a great question, Tony. Uh, if I can just, uh, as a backdrop, just drop in, um, particularly with this last event that occurred in April of 2022, um, you know, how it uh, fared in the global market, because ultimately uh, with insurance and the reinsurance uh, background, it has a direct effect of on what happens in the local market. Mm-hmm. So just to tell you that uh, the event um actually statistically shows that at the first half of last year it actually contributed to uh, 3% uh of the global market in terms of your natural catastrophes nat mm. natcat claims uh, which yeah. yeah which which in in any event you know has been uh, uh on the increase in 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 the recent past globally yeah. But to contribute such a large, uh, significant figure uh, globally uh, at almost 3%, and when one then looks at uh, what the premium contribution is uh, globally as well, which comes in uh, at much under than 3%, you know, one can then see the kind of mm-hmm. impact, economic impact certainly that it can have uh, and how... Um, palatable that makes the South African market, so to say. Mm. But just coming back to the local context, uh, and, you know, we've seen uh, the event, although there hasn't been any hard numbers that have been released, uh, uh, you know, by any of the uh, authorities uh, following the the, the event. Yeah. I think we, we've gleaned that what we've seen in the market thus far puts the event surely over 18 to 20 billion rand uh, oh. in damages. Uh, and that's just insurance-related damages. I, I'm not talking about infrastructure damage. Uh, and I think if we have to add that up together, it's quite a significant amount. Mm-hmm. But over and above the the economic impact that uh, an event like this can happen, we've also seen it have great impact socially. Uh, we saw the number of lives that were lost. So the casualty, I think, figure was close to about 780 lives that were lost. I think some people are still account, unaccounted for um, mm. 
mm. up until mm. up until today. Uh, and then we saw the damage to the infrastructure. So so things like uh, roads, bridges, uh, you know, uh, means of, or, or, of of transport. People were unable to to move about and and get about, mm. uh, and and you know to conduct their daily lives. In fact, in some parts of KZN, the infrastructure still remains uh, unrepaired. Um, and you know the the uh, the La Mercy Bridge, I think, is is one that's yeah. synonymous with with that. Yeah. So you know the impacts are far-reaching. Obviously, uh, economically, yes, uh, for uh, insurance companies certainly. But there are definitely other impacts uh, on on the population at large that has uh, suffered from this event, uh, which we're still recovering from. Mm, yeah, and Hayden, just from from your side, in terms of a little bit a broader view about South Africa as a whole, in terms of flood risk. Yeah, Tony. Um, obviously, um, we're talking mainly South Africa at the moment, and uh, and and we're very aware of the um, the extent of the 2022 floods. Um, we've had uh, a huge increase in the number of inquiries um, as to what JBA can do when it comes to uh, flood maps and flood models, analytics, and and consulting. Mm -hmm. um, the um, and uh, this is not just from the South African market. I mean, New National are our latest um, uh, client in South Africa itself, but I've uh, I'm talking to a large number of of insurers down in South Africa, but also the London market is um, is very interested in what's happening um, in South Africa, and um, and uh, almost half of the inquiries I deal with every day. Uh, are coming from the London market that underwrites South African risk. Mm -hmm. um, so it is, it is, uh, it is, as you said, a hot topic. Um, flood is increasing worldwide. Um, we've seen massive flooding in um, in Italy just last week. Um, in Spain this week, there's there's massive flooding again. Um, there's uh, Australia's been severely hit over the last year. Um, so, you know, we are extremely busy in providing the insurance industry and financial services in particular with um, with uh, data, which is just trying to establish um, a price for all of this. Um, everything is insurable and reinsurable at a cost, and, and we help the insurance industry find that cost. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, now, um, I love... Besides now, at this point in time, um, and and maybe uh, if we look at before the floods and after the floods, does um, flood risk get enough attention in the short-term insurance industry? So Tony, again, I think that's that's a very very good question, very pertinent question, um, and I think if I uh, uh, am honest. And and maybe perhaps going out a little bit on the limb here to to speak, uh, not only on on behalf of of my company, but maybe the the industry as well. That you know, you know things tend to 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 be looked through from the context that you find yourself, you know, the environment that you find yourself in. Mm. And uh, uh, you know, as we know, that fires have been one of the major contributors to to uh, to insurance losses, I'd say in the past, uh, at least the past 20 years. 
um, you know, from from individual fires to large fires that we saw out at Bayhead with the huge warehouse that burnt down and, and, and caused billions and bil billions of rands worth of damage going back, I think it was six years ago. Uh, so, you know, that tends to to stay in one's minds when, when looking at, uh, when considering risk from an mm -hmm. insurance perspective. Uh, aside from that, you know, there is obviously the, uh, the cloud, uh, excuse the pun, of, uh, of the natural catastrophes, uh, you know, the NatCat type losses that that hang in the background. But just, just to sum it up, I think that flooding has always been seen in the uh, insurance industry as a secondary peril, a, a secondary hazard. Uh, and I think that view has changed. Mm. Uh, is, is changing or certainly may have changed already. And it is now viewed as a primary peril, particularly after uh, the, the event in uh, 2017, October of 2017, that we saw occur in, in the KZN area with the cutoff low weather system that uh, gave us a tremendous amount of rainfall in those short uh, number of hours, which again caused uh, flash floods. Uh, and, and now this latest event of, of 2022. Um, so, Essentially, um, you know, I, I think that uh, environmental change, uh, climate change, is something that we are seeing happening before our eyes. You know, we we, we uh, read about it. Historically, we've based, uh, you know, our actions and and how how we handle and view flood risk on historical data, um, uh, historical occurrences that are available uh, uh, you know, via the, the various sources that we use, particularly the, the weather services and the statistical data that's provided by our reinsurers. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, with the changing or climate change coming in, we see that the frequency and severity of these, uh, of these events are so, have become so sporadic and, and so uh, erratic that it's not always the case where we can place a score of likelihood of when it can happen, mm. how it can happen, uh, and how severe it, you know it can be. And we've, we've we saw that happen last year. Mm. So you know I think the, the way that we viewed and and we dealt with flood risk, uh, we recognized that that has to change. We have to equip ourselves with some additional type of data and, and tools to help us better manage this. Well, firstly, to understand this evolving risk, because as you know, you know, climate change is something that's that's unpredictable. Uh, we don't know the extent of it. We don't know, you know where it will stabilize and where it will become static. It's a, it's a continuously changing risk. So we've got to understand where it is at the moment, uh, you know, where it can be in, in the next 10 years. And obviously, that's where we've identified uh, JBA as the party coming in with the tools to help us to better understand the flood risk and therefore then to better underwrite the flood risk. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. and I think, yeah, that's where you come in, Hayden, because we don't evaluate and, and underwrite flood risk in the same way as we did 10 years ago. No, definitely not. And um, it's starting to um, become a, a peril that um, people are identifying separately and pricing for separately. 
Um, I've uh, recently been on the on the line with um, the Actuarial Society of South Africa. They've identified it as and at, uh, both flood risk and climate changes, as Alpha has just mentioned, um, as something that needs to be taken seriously. Um, and uh, we're looking at setting up some sort of collaboration with them in the country um, in the in the coming months. So um, I'm also coming down for the African Insurance Exchange Conference in July um, when I'm intending to talk to the industry um, more about about flood and pricing for flood as well. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. Now, now um, maybe just to from from your perspective, Alaf, um, how do you aim to use this collaboration with practically with um, JBA risk. What does that mean for you? Okay, so if I can just touch a little bit on, on what we, uh, uh, or the tools that, that we've managed to, to uh, you know, get via uh, JBA. And so, you know, we find ourselves in a situation where we are unable to predict uh, when a flooding event is gonna occur. Uh, and uh, where it's going to occur. Uh, but I think what JBA, JBA has brought in certainly to the equation is to be able to give us an insight into when the event does occur, how, what's the likelihood uh, uh, of the severity of it, and, mm -hmm. and, and some sort of predict predictability in terms of when it may happen in so far as uh, you know, one in 20 year event, a one in 50 year and a one in 100 year event is concerned. So essentially uh, what we are able to do is we are now able to pull out uh, information uh, up to a risk uh, address level. So uh, if, if I have to have a particular address of, of a property, I can then go in via the JBA system which is quite a fantastic system, and, and, and uh, Hayden will tell you more about that. But I can actually go into that particular location, uh, and I'm able to then uh, you know, view the floodability of that uh, property, um, both from, from two perspectives, from a river flooding perspective and from a surface water flooding perspective. Because it's, it's not always uh, uh, you know, a river that may cause flooding, but also uh, surface water, standing water can, can result in flooding as well. So, you know, it gives you the, the benefit of having both views. Um, so aside from that, it then gives you the advantage of, of looking at what the expected minimum and maximum floodability of the risk would be over those uh, expected events, one in 20 year, one in 50 year, et cetera, events are concerned. Um, but also further to that, it also then gives us uh, a flood scoring uh, on the risk uh, from from no flood risk to extremely high flood risk on the scale. Um, and the third thing that it it allows us to have is a rating, a flood rating that or pricing, if if you if you'd rather use that word, a pricing that we would then need to add on to the comprehensive rate that we are uh, going to be charging for mm. that particular risk, the premium. Uh, 
Mm. Now, in terms of uh, practicability, uh, or, or, or you know, practically, uh, then one, uh, you know, as an insurance company, has to then integrate this into your operations, particularly into your underwriting operations. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, insurance companies tend to have operations within its uh, organization, but also uh, operations that extend beyond, uh, you know, with with certain mandated entities that we deal with like uh, UMAs and binder holders. Uh, and so, you know, it, it doesn't make sense just to have that sort of uh, availability of that data just within your own office uh, and being able to apply that in, in mitigation and in pricing. One has to then extend that to, to the entire organization, which will include your brokers and binder holders. Uh, and in that light, um, I must say that uh, JBA has been very kind. They've come to the party and they've given us the advantage of, of also extending this to our binder holders and brokers as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so not only do we have access, but they have access as well to the system and they're able to pull out the same data that I spoke about uh, in, in a report format, as well as, as uh, uh, being able to, to look at the flood scoring of a risk and uh, to obtain the pricing as well. So we've uh, actually had a session, uh, a launch uh, earlier on this year in March, where we engaged with all our business partners. Uh, in fact, Hayden and his uh, uh, colleague were a part of that uh, of that engagement that we had, and we extended to to formally extended it to all our business partners. Uh, they have access to the system. We've uh, been doing training to properly embed uh, the operations into the underwriting processes, which I must say is seems to be working very well at this stage. Uh, Tony, if I can just mm. add there that this is a yeah. world first. Um, we we supply data to 90% uh, of the UK market, but New National are the first uh, company where we actually provide the data to their brokers and UMAs. Um, it, uh, it's not done like that anywhere else. So we're, we're pretty proud of the fact that, um, that we've done it and that they've done it, um, because it just takes it, um, it, it just shows how serious they're taking, uh, the whole flood risk. Mm -hmm. And, um, just from a technology perspective in terms of the integration and all of that, was that a big job? Uh, from from our side, it's uh, it's it's very easy. Um, you know, it's uh, you you um, access the um, the data over the internet. Um, you need a login and um, and certain permissions, but uh, it's a very simple process. Mm -hmm. And for yourself, Alaf, making it available to the market. Absolutely, as Hayden mentioned, it's it's very easily accessible via the web portal. And so with, with a uh, username and password uh, that's been set up, we, we gain access, the users gain access to the, to the system, and uh, they're able to pull out the required information and data that they require um, and reports. Fantastic. Well, this, this is actually much bigger than you guys have played out in the market, you know. Um, I think it's an important thing for the South African market to um to to because you you're not just um ensuring that you know we can continue in ensuring properties that might be under flood risk because we can price better 
but we're also ensuring that brokers are in the know as to understanding how um, the flood risk affects their portfolios and all of that. So I think that's brilliant. Well done, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Look, it's, it's certainly created a better understanding, not only mm -hmm. uh, from our perspective, but, but from brokers' uh, perspectives as well, as well as mm -hmm. clients. Because aside from the from the pricing uh, uh, information and the, the floodability information that we are able to to obtain, the other thing that we can do, uh, and this is more on a socioeconomic uh, uh, front, is that we can now engage with clients, both uh, domestic clients or owners of homes or occupying homes, as well as uh, business owners and property owners, engage mm -hmm. with them on a level, and you know, be in a position to to share with them information on how, uh, uh, you know, how flood can impact them should an event like this occur, and mm. and what's the likelihood and the levels of the expected flood that that could occur, mm. and in doing that, Tony, uh, we are, you know we're serving a few purposes. Um, you know, the greater purpose is obviously now that we are able to 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 you know, share some of that information and put it into the client's hands and give him the advantage now of of pre-planning and even trying to to put in mitigation measures himself That's to it. to to you know to 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 basically counter a look you you're never gonna be in a position where you can eliminate flood risk. That's something mm -hmm. that's always been there. Naturally if you know flooding has been around even before you know we uh, we, we've, even before we were around, mm. right? so that's that's always something that will be there. But with this information in a client's hand, he's able to take countermeasures and perhaps put in uh, adequate drainage or, or more drainage uh, for for in the event of flooding. He can mm. do things like raise goods higher off the ground, um, and uh, you know create more runoff area. Uh, there's various things. That can be done to to alleviate the um, the expected flooding that that could occur at mm -hmm. any particular risk address. The other advantage, uh, which I must mention, is that you know we 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 speaking at the moment from a KZN perspective, and and that's because that's where the event occurred. However, the information that uh, uh, we're able to obtain from JBA is not just particular to to KZN, it's flooding information throughout the country. Uh, and so areas that haven't been affected by flooding in the recent past, or certainly in our lifetime, doesn't mean that it's not susceptible to, to huge floods. Mm. Uh, it's just that it hasn't occurred in our lifetime. And mm. so with this information, we are now able to see that, that there are uh, other such areas in, uh, in our country that are susceptible to these large flood events. Uh, and so again, you know, we can employ the same strategy uh, uh, in terms of, of uh, in terms of mitigation, in terms of pricing, but also again, share that information with our brokers and clients to enable them to be in a position to be proactive rather than to be reactive when, when an event occurs. Mm, absolutely. Well, thank you so much guys for chatting to me. It was, um, Certainly enlightening for me and well done on that. And then, yeah, good luck with spreading the word. I will certainly try and do my best. Uh, thanks, Lenny. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.